Blog Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, this is Internet Business to Entrepreneur Radio Network, and I'm William Eastman, and your host for the next 30 minutes. I'm the Executive Director of the National Associated for Management Consultants, and we are changing the formula of business success for companies from zero to market dominance. If you'd like to join the show, you can do that several ways. One, you can go to our chat room, which is listed on the Blog Talk Radio show site. Or number two, you can dial in and join the show live at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. And you can also reach us on Twitter, and that is using my last name, and that's W. Eastman. So welcome for joining the show, and uh, let me kind of give you uh, an overview of what we're going to do today. Uh, so far, what we've done in our series, and the series that we've been working on, and what are the what are the best practices of fast and sustainable growth for companies, regardless of the industry, regardless of the nation, and regardless of the economy. And the first two categories, and just to refresh your memory, we have looked at the area of best practices into four general categories. There's market intelligence, which is how well do you know what is going on, and your ability to anticipate where the market may be moving. Um, Put it in hockey terms, especially considering uh, uh, any of you watch the Olympics, and what happened there is that uh, do you have the ability to go to where the puck will be? And that's all around an organization's ability to collect market intelligence. Some of it is rather expensive to do, but for the most part, it can be done inexpensively if somebody simply dedicates some time to it. Typically, it is either the owner or somebody at the senior level. The second category, and we talked about three best practices in there. The second category was brand and strategy. And as we discussed, is that um, it, it's interesting most people think of these inverted, you, know, you say strategy and brand, but the reality is in all the companies that we looked at in over three years of initial research was that all of these great companies that gone from nothing to dominance, regardless of the industry, regardless of the country we're talking about or the economy that we're in, is they all established brand first and brand long-term perspective of the firm whereas strategy was more of the one to two to three years, how are we going to execute on the brand? And we covered the uh, seven best practices that make up brand and strategy. Today, we start the third part of that series, and that is in the category of what we call uh, productive capacity, or the easier way of looking at it is in the area of operations. In other words, once you've designed where it is you want to go based upon good intel and what you want to be as a company when you finally arrive, then how do you build the capacity to get it done? Because if you look at the major reasons why companies can't grow, you can break it down into two general categories, and all the others are subsets. Uh, Issue number one, I should say issue, not category, uh, otherwise I'm mixing my metaphors. Issue number one is there's a sales constraint. And what that means is that we have the capacity to make more or provide more service if we sold more, 
And so what we have is a lot of slack, and we have a lot of overhead, and we have very, very low margins. The other constraint, the other major issue, is we have a capacity problem in that, yeah, we could sell more, but we don't have the ability to provide it. And typically what happens there is that you overstrip your, you overstrip your capacity to build things or provide services, you destroy your reputation, you destroy, and you seriously harm your working capital. Uh, you can promise things that you simply can't deliver on, the quality goes down, and by the time you get, you, you get finished giving out discounts and uh, fixes to people, uh, you're basically <laughs> broke. And so what we're going to talk about here are now the best practices that make up this particular area. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to kind of put them together in groupings. So let me take you through a list of the ones that we're going to discuss, and then I'll break them down in detail. We have the, we have the issue of how the organization acquires and stores information. And the second part of that is how does that information disseminate it out into the organization. Then we have five units that come together. One is how are our processes designed? And again, this, it does not matter whether we're talking about a product company or we're talking about a service company. Uh, everything is a process. So how do, we, how do we design our processes when we first build them? And then the other side of that is that when they're in place, how do we review those and re-engineer or improve them once they're there? The third thing we're going to look at is how do we make decisions about where we put the equipment we need to produce. And again, the difference between uh, production and service companies is fairly obvious. Service companies typically don't have a lot of equipment here, or it's computer-based, where if you're in manufacturing, obviously, it's a lot gear. But how do we look at the productive uh, equipment, production equipment we put in, and the issues around inventory management and preventive maintenance? So we're going to bundle those five best practices together. Then we're going to take two that kind of hang out by themselves. The next best practice is what's called operations to knowledge, and that is how well do you mine the data that's going on in the organization, kind of a hook to the first two, uh, duo, to understand what's going on so you can take that information and use that to help you sell better, to help build better products, to help build better services, perhaps even provide some sort of market intelligence function for your customers or suppliers. Then we're going to talk about project management because effectively organizations operate in two fashions. One is we have these processes that we've built, and so anything that comes in that's normal goes into that hopper. Or we have new things that we're going to do or something that's special, and that gets to the project management. And any of you that listen to this who are PMI certified, you'll understand I'm giving this very topical treatment. But for most small companies, um, they don't even know how to operate Microsoft uh, Project. Then we're going to take the final two and we're going to bundle them together. And what that final, two, that final bundling is going to be is taking a look at this issue of R&D. Only we reverse it. We talk about it not as research and development, but we talk about it as development and research in that you build it and then you test it. You do the research from testing. And then when you're getting ready to go to market, the other best practice is beta testing. How do we go out there? and make sure that we got it right before we introduce it and we can, we've got the right features, the right quality, and we can maintain price. So those are all the best practices that are going to make up um, this category called productive capacity or operations. So let me, start with the, let me start with the first one here, information acquisition. And that is nothing more than taking a look at how we make sure that knowledge is collected 
and embedded in everything that we do in the company. And typically, this is computer-based. So as you go back to some of our previous uh, uh, sessions, we've talked a lot about CRM systems and uh, well-designed CRM systems. And that has less to do with the software that you're using and more of its flexibility and your ability to program it. And that is not programming at a coding level. That's programming more at a level of somebody who understands CRM so it does exactly what you want it to do. Is how well do we understand uh, the impact of our marketing campaigns? How many of those leads are we converting at the sales? How taking us to sell those? Uh, what is the average cost per sale? What is the average amount of time? What's our margins? And then taking a look at managing the customer relationship because all CRM should do that. Also, it looks at the financial package. How well are we measuring the different pieces because to really be successful, we've got to move beyond just doing the financial accounting to satisfy the bank or the IRS or the state tax collector, but more of are we breaking it down, uh, the cost down into subunits so we knew the, the, the true cost of things. And so information acquisition gets at how well is that being done so that data is available to everybody as appropriate. Okay, so now let me jump to the other side, and that is knowledge dissemination. And knowledge dissemination takes a look at a couple things. Number one, it looks at availability. Um, is that information available um, for problem-solving decision-making? In other words, is it arcane, the commission, or if I'm working on something, can I access that information? And again, somewhat, that is somewhat of a security-based or need-to-know but I think most organizations need to err on the side of sharing too much rather than sharing enough. Um, gets into the issue of can I get at it directly. The third part of this is that if there's any procedures for doing a particular job, are those procedures in there? Because if you, if you take a look at the dynamics of hiring, bringing people in, um, you hire highly competent people or you hire people that are in a learning curve. If they're in a learning curve, then do you give them uh, hands-on training? You work with them right there. Or do you provide them to say, hey, go to this site, and on there is the procedures for doing that job. Another part of this, and it's rather interesting, but certainly in companies um, that do a lot of advertising and marketing, is that are you disseminating information about how the organization is going to market? Uh, because nothing worse than having people on the front line, whether it's on the sales side or on the service side, who are unaware of what's going on in your advertising campaigns and where we expect there to be a glut of requests coming in. And then make, making sure that you take a look at not only on the direct access, do you have uh, people have access to it, but do you have the right protocols in place? Do the right people have the right access at the right time? So if you take a look at those two together, those are universal regardless of the organization. And where a lot of companies fail is one that they don't, when they build their infrastructure, they don't think about it. They just buy some boxes, get the software, and off they go. And they don't make long-term decisions because you don't need a lot of money to get this right. You just need a lot of pre-planning to do that. Okay, so let me take you now to the next set of five. But before I do that, let me, uh, let me take a, just a second or two here for, to talk about really today's a great day. And the reason today's a great day is that... Uh, uh, the National Association of Management Consultants, today, March 1st, is our go-live day. And what I mean by go-live is after about six months of work, we are finally ready to announce our presence to the world and make ourselves available. Well, what is the National Association of Management Consultants? Well, what it is, is it is an organization that is by the members for the members. 
and what we are as individuals, professionals, and professional service firms who are engaged in advisory roles with businesses in all major functions, such as IT, information technology, human resources, financial uh, processes, which is the focus of today's presentation, marketing, sales, and executive development. Um, and what we're trying to do is what we're, our goal, our mission is to provide leadership standards, best practices, and governance for professionals serving as advisors and consultants to businesses, governmental organizations, and nonprofits, as well as the Fortune 500. Even though the focus of, of these radio shows is smaller businesses, the reality is that organizations are organizations. And if you don't think so, then go back to one of my earlier series in the archive on the stages of growth to companies. Uh, we seek to promote industry excellence, education, training, awareness, and finding teaming opportunities um, with all of you out there that have your own set of best practices. Uh, what we've done so far and what we've built is a set of standards, a code of ethics around the consulting business. Uh, we kind of see consulting much like medicine, and I think part of that is the Hippocratic Oath of the, the absolute first rules, do no harm. But we go into organizations, and all of you have been there, you go into organizations, how do you make sure that you're providing the very best advice that you can? And what we do is we help you with the business development, we help you with doing joint marketing, we have an incredible toolbox. In fact, the focus of all these radio shows has been around our toolbox. That toolbox is being made available to you at a price that you cannot buy uh, from my own company, Applied Knowledge Labs, which was the originator of that. Uh, we provide continuity, um, and, and what I mean by continuity is we provide you the ability to give your clients continuity, because here is that typically what happens if you're a, a trainer, a consultant, or a coach is that you provide the expertise in the areas that you're really well-grounded and in what happens if, in fact, you have the opportunity to help in other areas. Well, with the toolbox and the access to all the talent that we have available, you can continue to provide high-quality products and services your customer. And so those are the things that we do for our clients and that on the marketing side what we have here is we have joint efforts. Uh, we have multiple discipline, multi multiple approaches. We can reduce your expenses. We can help you with branding and increase your top line. And so where does that lead me? Well, that leads me with membership. What it gives you is access to a world-class toolbox. You can turn your practice into a major consulting firm. We have the tools and resources to expand your offer to existing accounts and win new business in this tough market. And as most of you know, this has got to be just about the toughest market out there uh, for our industry. Exceedingly difficult to get into. And so what you can do is you can either con contact myself, Bill Eastman, or Vicki Beach, and you can reach us at 804-767-1275. Okay. Got that. Now let's, let's take a look at the next bundle. And what we're going to do here is we're going to take process design, process reengineering, production equipment, inventory management, and preventive maintenance and put those together. Now process design, what does that mean? Well, basically what we're down to here is that what is your established process for designing and building product, service, sales, and support that ensures right first-time delivery? Do you set out to just to do something? Or do you set out to kind of do, to build a process that, that eliminates as much cost as possible, delivers the high amount of quality, uh, quality possible to client, regardless if it is a product or service, and 
are you doing that as quickly as possible? In other words, the whole deal here is are you targeted at becoming the lowest cost producer? And certainly apparent in the market that we're in today is that if you're not the lowest cost producer, you're in significant problem, uh, trouble. So we take a look at process design. How do you build it the first time? The second one is process reengineering, and that is, okay, we've got a process in place. How do we go back and look at that process and continue to improve it so if we are not the lowest cost producer in the market, that we have the ability to achieve that? Now, even though this is not the section to talk about it, let me just stop and say, please do not hear when I say lowest cost producer that I mean the lowest price. That is an independent decision here. But in this marketplace, where customers are not buying, or if they are buying, they're coming to you and they're asking for significant discounts, and they're, um, they've got you competing against your, uh, your other companies that have the same offer, more than likely what they're trying to do is get the lowest price possible. If you are the lowest cost producer, you have the ability to cut your price and maintain your margin. Imagine if you can undercut your competitors and yet still have a better margin than they have where you can put them out of business. And this is, in this stage of the economy, this is where the strong flourish and the weak perish. So that's what happens on the reengineering side. On the product development, I mean uh, production equipment, excuse me, it takes a look at the entire infrastructure of not only equipment and computers to say, do we have the right things at the right time? Have we made the right expenditures? Now, part of this could be that uh, it's a decision to lease or it's a uh, decision to buy, but what does the infrastructure look like? And I really look at it as information structure, even if I've got equipment, because are they hooked into the system? Can we take advantage of, uh, of IT technology to run our company? The next one is inventory management, and that is basically establishing an ongoing process for managing inventory and getting as close to just in time as possible given the context of your organization. There is no right just-in-time number. It's more of a what is appropriate for what we do, given how much we can depend upon our lines of supply, how much we can depend upon sales, how much we can depend upon the, uh, on, on our production process. But our, how close are we to our just-in-time? And then the last one is preventive maintenance. And one of the ways of looking at it in this bundle here on preventive maintenance is you basically have two options. You either run to destruction or you fix it before it breaks. If you run to destruction and anybody that's been there, you totally understand what I'm saying. You run to destruction, it always breaks at the worst possible time. And it costs a lot more money to deal with it then than it does to have some sort of process of uh, working on it. And if you're in a service-based company and you have no production equipment, and all you got is computers, and you say to me, it doesn't apply to us, think again. And think about how many times you don't back up, you don't do your virus maintenance, you do not take care of the computers, you don't organize the hard drives. In other words, you think about that whole system, preventive maintenance there, in some ways is actually more critical, because when that machine breaks down, you may not be able to buy the part to fix it like you would a piece of production gear. So those five are together. Okay, now that takes us over to the kind of the outliers. Operations to knowledge. Well, operations to knowledge is pretty simple to understand, and that is how well um, are you learning from internal operations by watching all these other things going on so that you can run, one, a tighter, more focused business, and then number two, use that information for both continuous improvement opportunities as well as perhaps moving into new markets. 
And there's a wealth of information inside the firm that most organizations do not do not uh, mine. Well, if you don't have your infor information structure put together, you can't mine it. When you take this and you add this to your market intelligence and you know what you've got, you got, you've got an organization that is not only understanding where the market is today, but you have an organization that truly can go to where the puck is going to be. Now, on the project management side, um, project management is as it appears, and that is how well do we work on the things that are outside of the normal, unless, of course, you run a project management style company, then this is your core process. But for most businesses, project management is something that doesn't fit anything else, and we've got to get it done. And so if you look at it this way, it's the core competency of any organization's ability to, uh, to change. It's the ability to manage the process of change is based upon your ability to manage large and complex projects. And so it could be that you constantly are into project management or after doing it two or three times you say, you know what, we need, to, we need to build a process around this, but how well can we do this? And what you'll find is most of the issues the, from, uh, from PMI, uh, those of you that are certified in the, from the Project Management Institute, will find most of those uh, within our best practices and attributes. Now, that kind of takes us to the last two, and that is uh, development and research and uh, beta testing. Now, development and research. Uh, it's a reversal of the traditional R&D. Um, new ideas uh, are developed in collaboration with suppliers and customers. And by doing that is that you develop it with them, and then you research by looking at their usage. And that allows you to bring out products and services to the market faster and at lower cost. I would say to you that if you ever wanted a rule to live by, and that is never build on spec, um, unless you're in the early stages of startup and you need things to sell, but if you're an established business, never build on spec. Get some partners because not only do you need their input and support to make sure it'll sell, but also is that you typically can get some budget. In my organization, we never develop on spec, and we typically get enough money uh, in development with the customer that, number one, they don't pay full rack rate for anything. They're paying a much reduced fee. However, we get enough money to do the build, and then they also have the understanding that we will be working with them very, very closely in this first initial install to make sure that we've got it right. And because of that, they're getting something far superior for a much lower price. Once we've done that, guess what? That takes us to the other best practice here. And that best practice is on the area of beta testing. And beta testing is nothing more than based upon what you've done in your uh, development and research activities is a methodology for now saying, okay, it works here. How do we take this out to other markets so that we can test it, so that we can make sure it's got the right features at the right level of quality at the right price point before we say, okay, let's go into release mode and send that out. Now, I realize that I, I trucked through those, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven best practices pretty quickly. But that's part of what we're going to do now is now that I've given you an overview of what you can expect, our next show, tomorrow's show, is going to be, all right, let's take each one of these and let's talk about the attributes of that best practice and let's break it down in detail. In fact, that's where we're going to go tomorrow in our information acquisition. And so we're going to start tomorrow with that. And what you can do is that if you'd like, you can uh, check our website here at blogtalkradio slash IBQ. 
2E um, radio, which will give you an outline of all the courses coming, as well as if you go into, that, uh, into the site there and look at archive, you can take a look at all of the shows that we've done and download them. Right now we have about 50, 30-minute shows that will, if you are a business owner or business operator or a manager of division, we provide a pretty good wealth of information, most of the, all the things that you need to know in order to uh, take advantage of these best practices. So let me, uh, let me kind of slow down here and let me take a couple of uh, minutes to put some thoughts together for you. This is not isolated from the challenges of running a business. Uh, in today's economic conditions, and I don't, I don't care what industry you're in, it's incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult right now just to station keep, as we used to say. When I was um, underway as an oceanographer, station keep is basically holding your position. Um, but if you look at historically, what's happened during this period of time as the economy begins to bottom out, and let's hope that what we're looking at is the bottom of the U and not the top of the W, the, the middle piece of the W, is that the weaker companies are going by the wayside. The stronger companies are actually getting stronger. And what are they doing? Well, what the stronger companies doing right now is they're doing two important things. Number one is they're holding their base. And what I mean by holding their base is that they're looking at their most profitable customers. Now, if you don't have some of the uh, infrastructure built that we've talked about here over these many shows, it's going to be difficult to determine. I don't mean the customer that is producing the most revenue, though they are important to identify. However, they are easy to identify. But which of your customers are the most profitable? When the, when the day is done, where have you made the greatest margin? And if you can identify with those who those exact customers are, my strategy would be, number one, go after the most profitable. Then number two, go after the highest revenue. Um, and number three would be to avoid the ones that are loss leaders. But take those first two populations, and instead of spending your advertising and marketing dollars to go out and acquire new accounts, since nobody's really buying, Use your marketing and advertising dollars to go inside and go to these people. And that's how you hold your base. Now, what else do you need to do? That gets me to the second one, and it's been a theme that's reoccurring in all the sessions that we've had together, and I've certainly hit, it on, hit on it here today a couple times, and that is you absolutely must become the lowest cost producer in your industry and in your market because if you don't, it becomes exceedingly difficult, exceedingly difficult to do this because what most customers are doing, what our customers are doing to us is this, is that they're coming in and they are using our proposals and our competitors' proposals, and they basically got us fighting with one another who's going to come up with the lowest price. In our particular case, that doesn't bother me very much because I know we're the lowest cost producer in the market, so therefore I can still cut prices and maintain margin. So that's what these companies are doing the best practice of this particular economy is to find ways to be in the lowest cost producer. And those are the, those are the best practices and attributes that we're going to talk about over the next seven shows. How do you become the lowest cost producer in your marketplace so you have incredible flexibility? And that incredible flexibility is you can either charge what you charge right now and have a greater margin, or number two is you can reduce your price down to where your customers are, perhaps a little bit below, have a margin better than theirs, go after 
once you're holding your best accounts, you're in great, in, in great position to go after their premier accounts. And that is a best practice of what happens as the economy bottoms out. What do companies do as the economy bottoms out? Because they've leaned up and they've got much more tighter and much more cost effective, is now they identify the marquee accounts their competitors have that are probably the most profitable and they go take them. And that's what this is about. So what I'd like to say to you is I'd like to thank you for uh, joining us for this 30 minutes uh, tomorrow. Look forward to um, uh, look tomorrow. Look forward to getting into the seven best practices, and we're going to start with information acquisition and how do you make sure that your IT infrastructure does that, as well as the mindset. And the last thing I want to say is again is this is a great day for us. A number of us have been working for a long time to build a place where, as a business owner, you can go and get high-quality advice about how to grow or run your company. And for those of you who are peers in the, in the marketing or consulting or in training industries, how do you upgrade your practice? How do you do a better job for your accounts? How do you grow your company? Well, check us out. Come on out and see us. And it's at www.naomc.org. Have a great business day. Looking forward to speaking with you very, very soon. Ciao.